There's a parable about a blacksmith who worked hard in his trade. The day came for him to die. An angel was sent to him, and much to the angel's surprise, he refused to go. He pleaded with the angel to make his case before God that he was the only blacksmith in the area and the neighbors needed him as they began their planting and sowing. He didn't want to appear ungrateful, but respectfully asked to put the death off. The angel left. A year or two later, the angel returned and told the blacksmith it was time to share in the fullness of the kingdom of heaven. The man argued that a neighbor was seriously ill and the whole town was working to save his crops in order for his family not to become destitute. The angel left again. This became a pattern as each time the blacksmith had a compelling reason to remain in service to his neighbors. Finally, when he was very old, weary, and tired, the blacksmith prayed for the angel of death to return. The angel appeared immediately as if always there. The blacksmith said, I'm ready to live forever in the kingdom of heaven now. The angel laughed and looked at the blacksmith in delight and surprise and said, where do you think you've been all these years? <laughs> the blacksmith knew the fullness of life in engaging in meaningful connections. The healing balm of community can carry us through our lives. But what of times when we don't feel connected, when we feel off balance, out of the web? A resident theologian mused with me recently about spiritual homelessness, times when we feel disconnected, times when one feels in the midst of broken strands in the web of life. We're actually more equipped for broken strands than we probably know. When we're born, we emerge, and one of the first things that happens is the umbilical cord is cut. So one of the first things we know when we enter into this world is that there will be broken strands. There will be disconnections and reconnections. And hopefully, a reconnection happens quickly, but not always for a, an infant, where you're put in the arms of another as fast as possible so that a reconnection is already intimated, already uh, taught. But we, from the beginning, have disconnections and connections, disconnections and connections, comings and goings, reworkings of relationship. How are we doing over there? I need you to not talk. That's okay. We breathe in, we breathe out. We come and go. But the learning comes from how we deal with broken strands. How do we deal with the times when we lose connection? And that's a lot of the learning that we go through for our entire life. Recently, I spoke with a massage therapist and asked her if she had always been one. She said, no, it was recent. It was like seven years recent. And then she started talking about what had happened to her. And traumas had led to this job of connecting really deeply with people who needed rework, different therapeutic ways of being. Traumas led her to this new job. She lost her husband at very young. She lost a son, a daughter, 
had a, a disabling injury. All of these happened in a very short period of time, and she realized that her life would have to go into a kind of transformation. And she found coming to a different kind of connection with life and with people helped heal her. And so in that impulse to help heal her, she started to heal others. And a new web of care held her in her life. It is very important for us to find and feel connections. A recent study by sociologists at Duke University and the University of Arizona found that one out of every four Americans have no close confidence at all. On average, most adults only have two people they can talk to about the most important subjects in their lives. Lynn Smith Lovin, co-author of the study, was surprised by these results. She says, the kinds of connections we studied are the kinds of people you call on for social support, for real, concrete help when you need it. The study revealed that we are getting more isolated. Americans have a third fewer close friends and confidants than just two decades ago. So it's likelier they are living lonelier lives. One out of four people, think of it, it could be 15 or 20 people in this room right now, if we reflected the national average, one out of four adults in our society do not have anyone they feel they can share intimate information with. 25% of our nation do not feel they have a trusted friend. A New York Times article printed last year entitled All the Lonely People lifted up that over the last decade, the United States has become a less violent country except when it comes to fatal violence on themselves. Since the year 2000, the suicide rate has particularly sharply risen among the middle-aged. The suicide rate for Americans 35 to 54 increased nearly 30% between 1999 and 2010. For men in their 50s, it rose nearly 50%. More Americans now die of suicide than in car accidents, and gun suicides are almost twice as common as gun homicides. We have work to do. We have work to do as a community. We have work to do as a people. We have work to do within ourselves. The interdependent web does function in ways that we do not control nor often notice. Our breath is naturally in relationship to trees. Ecosystems intricately respond to the energies and functions of its parts, and the cosmos has a logic beyond our full knowing. But there are strands in the interdependent web that we steward, the strands of relationship to other beings, the strands of intention and awareness, the strands of community. These strands must be strengthened by our care, given resilience by our dependability and flexibility, be ever available by our constancy and willingness to both connect and let go with love. One common reason why people come to faith communities is to find connection with oneself, with others, with a larger presence of being that fill out our lives. 
The desire for community is natural. Even though our society so hooked on independence would have us judge seeking community as weak. Somehow we've come to the distortion in our collective consciousness that seeking community means we've failed to make it on our own. The seeds of this way of being together sprung from the Industrial Revolution, which helped create an illusion of self-reliance and then furthered by our technological prowess toward cyber worlds. I was reminded this on the climate ride. I knew I had to mention the climate ride a little this morning. <laughs> which was I rode for 300 miles from New York City to D.C. Um, for uh, issues on climate change. And while we were riding in areas where there were pedestrians, folk were walking along and they were not aware of us because they were wired in and, or on their cellular devices. And other bikers were the only folk that we could really acknowledge with on a general basis, where we, you know, we wave to each other or we nod to each other as we passed, because hopefully bikers were not engaged in any kind of cellular device while they were in where they were at. And I remember noticing this about a decade ago in an airport, because I used to love airports and, and cities where you'd have all these surprise encounters, you know? You'd meet people, you'd nod, it was just a moment of a surprise encounter where a person met a person. But about a decade ago, maybe a little longer, people come out now of planes in their emails, you know, in their, in their cell phones, just their faces are down. If you walk in cities now, people are much more insulated by their own created worlds, the, focus, the focused world that they have, um, the, the world that, that they feel that they can control. And we're less and less having surprise encounters with one another, less and less being taught something that we didn't expect because we're trying to control our worlds. So the reality around lots of people is getting smaller as the cyber world expands. Now this doesn't mean we're anti-technology. The cyber world can do, it's done amazing and wonderful things for us and it's equalized people in a way that has created a more, uh, a better way to create community because now since information is power, more and more people are equalized by having more information available to them. But we can't replace community with it. We still must be in where we are, here, now, exactly fully focused on who we are and who we're with. That is something that we need to keep doing, to keep practicing. That's how we nurture meaning. People often walk into churches having experienced some kind of brokenness or loneliness. A torn relationship, a betrayal, a death, a spiritual restlessness, a feeling of not enough or something's missing. With the societal conditioning that seeking community indicates a kind of failure, people often then enter judging themselves as needy rather than wise to seek connection. Admitting vulnerability is brave. Seeking connection is wise. Allowing for the exchange of giving and receiving is life-affirming. Trying something new is bold. Yeah, you couldn't make it on your own. Welcome to humanity and to your enlightened impulse to live it fully in shared being. 
The interdependent web calls for active participation and intention. It's a vibrant, fluid reality, constantly transforming. Strands are breaking and healing, forming and reforming on a regular basis. In order to feel the connection that is ever available, we have to engage ourselves in relationship and find the balance of dependence and independence in order to flow into interdependence. We can be thrown off by messages that invite unhealthy dependency. In fact, much of consumerism depends on that. We're encouraged to come to false images about ourselves in order to keep us dependent on systems that feed off our energies and resources. We can feel insufficient, lacking, guilty, ashamed, disabled, helpless, not enough. These messages attract predators who delight and feed off of our self-doubt, our insecurities, our feeling of lack, and are wanting more. To shake out of that dependency loop, we need to find and feel our inherent dignity, our worthiness, our beauty. Sometimes people feel spiritually homeless because they feel they cannot fit in. The false logic is the need to fit in. We're all unique. None of us fit in. Yet, by nature of our birth, all of us belong. A Sufi parable. Once as dusk was falling, Rabia, the old mystic, was found searching for something on the street. Though she was of a crazy temperament, the people loved her and so opted to help her. You seem to have lost something. What are you searching? Oh, I am searching for my lost needle, said Rabia. The gathered group set off to look for the lost needle immediately. One man asked, What's the exact spot where you have lost it? It will be easier to find, Rabia answered. Don't ask me that, for I have lost it inside my house and not outside. The crowd was baffled. What? You've lost it inside your house? Then why are you searching outside, you crazy woman? Rabia said, You see, there is only darkness inside the house, and I do not have a lamp. Hence, I am looking for it outside as the sun has not set completely. How can you ever find the needle outside that you have lost inside your house? You could have borrowed a lamp from one of us. Rabia was quick. Oh, you are all so wise. Then why are you seeking outside instead of searching within? I was just trying to follow your ways. I'm aware that there is darkness inside. If only you can borrow a lamp from me and search within. Much of our loneliness comes from judging ourselves unworthy or unable to connect. Much, many of us judge our darkness within. The first connection needs to be with one's own sense of worth. We can help one another feel worthy of love. That's an important part of our relating and community, but it will not be understood till there is room within to be loved, room within that knows your worth. You don't fit in, but you belong. An important step in repairing or rerouting broken strands in the place where we enter the web of life is to cultivate solitude, the ability to be alone and like one's company. Solitude is different from loneliness. 
Solitude is a fullness and an understanding that we're in the cosmos, like the Thoreau quote in the Order of Service. Loneliness is a feeling of lack and a feeling of disconnection. When we enter that place of being, that solitude, then we come into community able to be wherever we are on our journey. If we know ourselves as beings who somehow belong in the whole scheme of things, we can then brave the healing we need or the sharing we can give or the discoveries we come upon. Church can bring us back to that deep remembrance of our life's worth and our inherent strength and beauty within it. Someone this morning needed that hug or handshake you gave them. Someone this morning needed to feel their welcome warm another. Someone this morning noticed the gorgeous color of another's eyes or the calming sensation of another's smile. Someone this morning decided that the enormous effort it took to get here was worth it and that indeed life may be worth living. Someone this morning realized that they belonged as part of a community. Someone this morning hopes that the tears just under the surface will be held in care and can flow freely. Someone this morning hopes that the vulnerable joy of new meaning and a deeper faith will be generously heard and held. These and many more interchanges are possible because of you. These and many more interchanges can offer true healing to you. These and many more interchanges can bring joy to all our lives. Thank you for venturing into this community. It is indeed a repair and restore and revival station for the web of our lives. So may it be. Amen. Amen.